You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate the support. I hope everybody had a good weekend. Tim, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. How you doing? Happy Halloween. You got the kids dressing up? You guys going trick-or-treating? No, absolutely not. And that's just being totally frank. We don't. We do like... Um, it's weird because Halloween falls on a Monday. Yeah, and we do uh, an All Saints Day with our church, where everybody dresses up, and the kids have a party, and it's great. And that was on Saturday, and so they get a bunch of candy. They get like they get the whole experience of it, and so we're not doing Halloween. No thing. We and here's the deal. This is where maybe I'm a little too strict of a parent, or I'm a too helicopter parenting protective. We went. Our friends live downtown Traverse City. And they threw a party, like a pre-trick-or-treating party. This is two years ago now. And we went. And it's just there's there's people out there who actively try to, like, traumatize your kids. Where they dress up as, like, seriously, like, scary demons or devils or just, like, demonic-looking people. And my kids were, like, terrified of these things. Like, I, I, and I just like, Why? You're grown people. You're grown adults. You don't have kids, and you're getting a kick of going around scaring my kids. No thanks. And my kids go home, and they're like, "Why would someone dress up like that and like have like glowing eyes and like like chase them around to try to give them candy?" It's like either I'm going to jail or you're going to traumatize my kid for life. That's those are the only two outcomes of this situation. So maybe I am too strict or too whatever helicopter parent, but there's no no. So the, the, no, we're not going. And then, and then that doesn't even include all the the skanky costumes that everybody dresses up in. It's like all of a sudden Halloween became just how can we dress sexy? Not even for the girls anymore. The boys, it's like what are we doing here? Boys have short shorts on, and the girls have their everything hanging out. So no. No, we will we will not be trick or treating. <laughs> I must sound like just such a, a bad parent compared to everybody. I don't know. You, Maybe you do a little out. bit. Hmm? Are the kids like clamoring for it though? Do they want it? Are they asking for it to go trick or treating? Not really. No, because we we tell them straight up, this is your Halloween when we go because they get candy, they play games, they walk around. It's a great time, and then we will go trick or treating at some point, but it just falls on a Monday. So we would have went in their grandparents' neighborhood where it's more controlled and not just like chaos. But it's a Monday and no one's really doing trick-or-treating. Everybody did it this weekend. Yeah. So we had plans. Danielle and I had like a little school function where they throw on this big charity dinner and it they blow it out. Like they make a half a million dollars. It's it's over the top. And so we did went and did that on Saturday night. So it was a busy weekend, but I, yeah, they do this auction and I bought the kids. This makes up for Halloween. I bought them like a little electric dirt bike and they, they've been ripping around the property on it. They love it. So they, I don't even think they realize it's Halloween right now. So they're just 
they're doing that. They're they're not even thinking about Halloween. We won't bring it up to them. So no. But I, when I was a kid, that's all you thought about October. It's like here we go. Throw the rollerblades on, and I'm going to hit as many houses as I can, and I'm going to get two. So, what is it called? Uh, pillowcases full of candy. And that that oh, was, was the best. Two pillowcases full of candy. You know what else was good too? Like we go, we had a great neighborhood because we had like probably forty or fifty houses in our in our neighborhood, but it was one entrance, so you, it's very safe. It's like one entrance, big loop, and you come back out the same way. And so, like parents from all over town would drop their kids off. It was a great, great, probably the one of the best in town. And you, you know, you get afterwards, you trade, you lay it all out, you trade with, on the floor with people, or whatever. And I just never have liked the peanut butter chocolate combination. Even now, I just Reese's Snickers, I just don't love it. And so I was like a king at the trading because everyone wanted my Reese's, everyone wanted my Snickers and the Butterfingers, and I could just take whatever I wanted from the other people's bag. They would give me like 10 Milky Ways for one Reese's Pieces, and it was just awesome. Yeah, that's That's like the best. No, you were the sucker because they're like, this guy's <laughs> giving away all his good stuff. No, no. Halloween's, fun. Halloween's fun in hockey, too. They, they always throw a big party. Everybody gets dolled up. It's just over the top, everything. Then I was thinking, you know who's not having a good Halloween? <laughs> you know who's probably itching to get home? You go on the road for over a week. You want to get home, throw the costumes on, have a big party. Because that was the plan for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, they were going to go on this Western Conference road trip, go out to Nevada, hit the California teams, swing back through, back in Toronto, Sunday night. We're going to blow it out Monday night. Huge party. They probably have Monday off, probably have Tuesday off, if not just a light skate tomorrow. Not happening now. Imagine their mood on the flight home after dropping four consecutive games to Vegas, to San Jose, to L.A., and then to Anaheim, getting on that plane after the turmoil of Mitch Marner and all that stuff. But you think they're having a Halloween party, Tim? You think they're dressing up and going out? Those young guys, they're all over social media. They love this stuff. Do you think the Leafs are still going through with their Halloween party tonight? Because you know they've rented a restaurant out beforehand. That's a good question. Because no one's going to be in the mood to celebrate, but at the same time, like, you can't get too down. Like you, you know, you're better than this. Wouldn't you think that like, I don't know, getting the boys together and, and even back is said on the show, like the games after an event like this are always the best you play all year because everyone's so aligned and focused and rowing in the same direction. So maybe this could be just what they need. But at the same time, like it just doesn't feel like you lose that games and the lose in that manner to those teams. Then you're going to go out and celebrate tonight. Just it feels kind of icky. Doesn't it? Reason number 7,001, why you don't want to play in Canada if they have an event, the media will find out about it. Even if they say no social, no phones, there'll be someone on the staff of the bar that they go to. There'll be someone walking by, seeing somebody dressed up, someone in one of their condos, one of the doormen or the bell maids, or somebody will see them dressed up, snap a picture, and it'll get out. Unless they have a house party, someone's got a house outside the city and everybody drives there and they keep it absolutely quiet but this is another issue if this gets into the media if they find out that they're going out and having fun and not focusing all their attention on hockey they're just going to have to deal with it for another month because if they come out of the halloween break and they lose the next game i don't know when they play tuesday wednesday if they lose that game everyone well why why are you celebrating a california loss why are you celebrating a terrible road trip i don't want to go down that path 
But if I'm the Leafs, if I'm the players, this is why it's so beneficial to have someone on your team who can just break the ice, who can just not be so laser focused in on the now. You look at the grand scheme of things. We're 10 games in. There's 72 games to go. We're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We got a lot of talent. Just relax. We'll be fine. That's where it's like Aaron Rodgers. Was it last year they lost the first game, the first couple games? He's like, don't worry, we're fine. We'll be fine. And then they go to the, the, the conference finals. He's like, we're fine. We're a good football team. I don't see anybody in the Leafs having that ability to do that. Joe Thornton could have done that when he was there. There's no one on this roster that I think can just stand up on the plane, crack a beer, and say, fellas, we're fine. We're not where we want to be, but we'll get there. I don't know. Maybe Wayne Simmons. What about their veteran captain? Johnny T, you think he's going to do that? No. I had breakfast with John Tavares 12 years ago. It was the (laughs) most boring breakfast I've ever had in my whole life where I sat down and it was just, I would have rather watched paint dry. That's what I think I did. I just watched paint dry. And I'm not, this is not a slight on him. That's just his personality. He's just a very vanilla type person. And maybe he only opens up to his friends. And he just didn't like me. Maybe it was me, but I'm a pretty like probably was normal. I can have breakfast with anybody and have a decent conversation. I don't care who you are. We'll find something in common and we'll just chat about that. This guy was in the NHL when I was in the NHL. We have a lot in common. We're at the PA meetings. We are at um, what's the golf course there? The Spyglass, but it's Pebble Beach. We're at Pebble Beach. Talk about golf. Whatever. Just sit with me and have a conversation for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Couldn't do it. You you tried? You tried? I tried. Finally, Clutterbuck came over, and we both knew Cal, and he just broke the ice. And then Cal, just him and John, they're playing the Islanders, so they started talking. And it it got better, but when it was just me and John, it was just like, (laughs) oof. It was was uncomfortable, to say the least. So to to think that he's getting up on the plane and saying – because this is what captains do. This is what leaders do. They take a hold of a situation – you assess it and you find you figure out what the team needs. Do you got to play hardball? You got to go back in the plane and just scream at guys and say no booze for the whole flight. This is BS. Why are we playing like this? We got to be better. And you just play that, the bad cop. Or maybe you just need to say just lighten the lighten the mood. It's getting too heavy. There's too much stress, there's too much drama, there's too much pressure on this team and you go back there and you say, "You know what? It's just one game." We've been together for six, seven, eight years now. We know we're a better hockey team. Let's just drop that whole trip, not even think about it. I don't want to watch any video and move on. We'll start fresh next next month. Mind you, it's October 30th. So come November, we're a new team. Let's just start fresh. We knew the start of the season was going to be tough. We lost our starting goaltender. We had a bunch of games in a short period of time. Let's move on. I don't see him doing that. That's what Johnny T was good at, not Tavares. Taves. That's what Jumbo was good at. They just would go to the coach. And I was there when they did this. They would go to the coach, whether it's the front of the bus or the front of the plane. They would have a conversation. They would come to the back of the plane. They would go, hey, coach GM didn't want us to have beers. I talked to him. We're going to have beers. Nobody go wild. Let's have a nice flight home. And let's just, just forget about what just happened. We need to be better. Everybody knows we've been playing like garbage. Let's just forget about it. We have to play better. We're not going to get bag skated, but we have to show some improvement. And that's all it was. And that's what a good leader does. Jumble did it. Tazy did it. 
I don't know who any anybody else who did it, but those two guys really stand out because they they can read the room. Right now, if I'm in the Toronto locker room, everybody's tense. The players hate the coach. The coach hates the GM. The GM hates everybody. Nothing's working. Everybody's blaming everybody else. And they need someone to just stand up and go, fellas, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We have a chance to win the cup. Let's just play. Let's just play hockey. Because last night, I don't know what that was. You roll into Anaheim off a big loss to L.A. It's been a horrendous road trip. You want to salvage this road trip. And you and you show up and you lay that egg of a game. And I'm not saying Anaheim played good. Anaheim is a bad hockey team. What did they lose? The last seven, Tim? Six or seven before that game? Seven, yep. They are the lowest scoring team in the NHL. You should wax this team up and down the ice. Both teams played bad. It was an ugly game. Nobody came to play. And lo and behold, Mitch Marner ends up being just the ass because he makes two terrible turnovers, has an issue with Keith. Keith sits him down, goes back, and there's there's we can dig into all that. But it was just an atrocious final game to the road trip. I, I didn't think it could any get any worse after the LA Kings game. And then they play the Anaheim. No urgency, no life. The only, I guess the third and fourth line had a little bit of jump. The first two lines should be ashamed of themselves. Why is Willie Nylander playing center, first of all? That guy's not a centerman. Never will be, never has been. Not in the NHL anyways. Maybe overseas when you can get away with a little bit, you know, lacking off in the back, in the D zone. But this guy's not an NHL centerman. So what did you think of the the trip, Tim? We could spend five shows on the Leafs. They're so interesting. I don't want to dwell too much. This is an NHL podcast, not a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. But let's just, what was your take on this whole trip? I know. It feels like that sometimes. And maybe people are tired of us talking about the Leafs, but they're just so interesting. And I, I watched the overtime or the third period in overtime last night. And I watched the comeback. I see Zegers score. My first thought was, Oh man, we have to spend a lot of time on the Leafs tomorrow. We just have to. We just have to. And and you're right. Like this is there's so much to talk about. There's so much to digest. I wanted to mention that Marner thing because two bad turnovers led to Ducks goals. And there was a moment, I don't remember if it was before or after the incident we're gonna talk about, but Keith called a timeout. It must have been maybe when the when the Ducks tied it up. No, and- it was after the Ducks second goal to make it three two. Three two. Okay. He yeah. calls a timeout and you can read his lips and he go, he goes, We gave them two goals. He holds up the number two and then he points to Marner right there. And Marner sees it. And the announcers calling the game and the on the broadcast talked about it too. He goes, They just pointed to Marner. And so and then Marner gets benched for a few shifts. He gets skipped over. Someone else gets pushed up to that line and he's got words for Keith and then Keith gives it back to him, right? And then Marner has to go down. He grabs a stick. And he goes down the tunnel and he's gone for about a minute and a half, something like that. He comes back without the stick. And clearly he had to vent some frustrations. He bashed the stick in the hallway. And that's not that like that happens all the time. Right. I mean, maybe it's weird that he had to like, excuse no, it does not happen go... all the time. It does not, does not happen all the time where a player leaves the bench and goes okay. back to the locker room. No, that, and I say this a lot. These kids are entitled then this is this has been a constant problem with Mitch Marner where he does not like to get called out. He does not like any kind of criticism at all. You cannot criticize him. He is the chosen one, the prodigal son. You cannot criticize this guy and Keith rightfully so. And this was this was a standoff here. And this is where Keith really failed. 
You bench Marner after that second turnover. I don't know what he's doing, curling back up towards his D-man, turning the puck over. What a great goal by Zegras. That's that's a whole other story because it, it was a great goal. Zegras did play well. But you shouldn't be turning the puck up in that situation, and you should be protecting the puck, not just turning it over. Anaheim scores two goals on his tab, gets in a shouting match with the coach. If I'm Keith, I'm saying – you leave the bench to go and break your stick, you little baby, you entitled brat. You sit your ass on the bench, and you're done. That's it. And you watch the game. That's it. But, unfortunately, Anaheim scores again. Keith panics and goes, okay, you're up next. He sat him for like three minutes, four minutes. What kind of message is that sending to Marner and your whole hockey team? You can have one of your top guys challenging your coach, on the bench, in front of everybody, leaves the bench. That doesn't happen. The only reason you leave the bench is if if you're hurt. That's it. Or if you're Huberto, you got to take a dump. That's it. Those are the only two reasons. You don't leave the bench because you're frustrated, pick up your gloves, grab a spare stick, go in the back room, break your stick, come back out like a pissy little baby, and sit down on the bench and have a big pouty face because you got yelled at by your coach. You Big, stupid baby. So it's just, it's insane that he has the chutzpah to do that in the first place, Marner. That speaks volume, that he even has the audacity to leave the bench. That does not happen. He's He, he feels very comfortable on that bench challenging a head coach like that. And the fact that he gets to step on the ice after that interaction with Keefe, just, I lost so much respect for the head coach in that situation. Do you think... Tim, in your wildest dreams, if you're in Philadelphia, who's the captain of Philly? Who's one of the top guys of Philadelphia right now? Couturier, Van Riemsdyk. Do you think um, Konetsky, Van Couturier, any of those guys get into a shouting match with John Tortorella, tell him to F off, go to the locker room, break your stick, and come back out? Do you think Torts will ever let you see the ice again, let alone four minutes later? Torts is sitting you for games games he doesn't care how much you make right and and to cap it all off there was a moment in overtime where marner was all alone in front of the net and he didn't bury did you see that save yeah. i mean it's a great great save. great save I mean, by gibson great save but marner you had a chance to, to prove him wrong to put it on your back and move on and you didn't bury so it's there yeah but just going back to that to finish that thought keith's got to go that was it that was the moment he has lost that if he hadn't lost the locker room already he lost it in that little interaction with Marner. You have to hold fast. You have to be able to stick by your guns and say you sit on the bench. <clears throat> I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you make. You're not playing the rest of this game. I am I am the coach of this team, not you. You're a player. You're one of 23, my friend. Okay. I want to – I just did the research. So um, you mentioned like how Jumbo would handle a situation like this if he was the captain. When you run the Sharks, Mitch Marner now is 25 years old. Logan Couture was 25 when you were on the Sharks. Can you picture yep. him doing anything like this? No. And Cooch is an emotional guy, and he gets fired up. He is he's a very emotional guy. Not a chance. Not a, I, I can't picture anybody I've played with doing this because – you don't do it. A, you're putting yourself above the team where you're just, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I have to go. And why? Because you're frustrated, Mitch? Like, it just it just screams entitlement. 
it ex- it screams I can't handle my emotions. And when it comes and and this speaks to a bigger story where if it comes down to like where the rubber meets the road, it's game six, game seven, pressure situation. Do you want the guy on the ice who can't control himself on the bench and has to leave and go smash his stick because he's so mad? Or do you want the guy who's just, I get, you can scream back and forth with your coach. I get that. That happens all the time. It's the leaving part that I don't like. Suck it up. Be a man. Be able to take some criticism, process it, move on, even if you don't agree with it. That's your coach. You can't disrespect him. That's your coach. I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't trust that guy to have my back going into battle. He's looking out for himself. He wasn't thinking about the Toronto Maple Leafs at that point. He's not thinking about the fact that he just turned the puck over at that point. He's thinking about, I'm in trouble. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. I'm leaving. He's not thinking about, oh, I just cost my team maybe the game. I, I, I gave up two goals. That was my fault, you guys. Do you think he came back to the bench after breaking his stick and go, I'm sorry for turning the puck over you guys. That was my bad. I'll, I'll do better next time. No, he sat down and his mouth was shut because he was a little cry baby. That stuff drives me nuts. Now that I have kids and I can see how like kids are selfish. They're inherently selfish. You have to work to make them think of other people. That's your job as a parent to, to, to help them have compassion for other people. Kids are full of love, but they are inherently selfish and you have to teach them values to say, oh, it's not good to hit that person. It's not good to make fun of that person. It's not good. It's not good. And you build their virtues. Mitch Meyer doesn't have any of that. He's a selfish little brat, needs to be just taken behind the woodshed, and someone needs to kick the tar out of him, teach him a lesson. I will happily do that if the Toronto Maple Leafs want to hire me for a day. I'll take him Uh, behind the rink and just beat the snot out of him and say, do better. Stop being a selfish little brat. So, gosh. And it's not just him. It's the whole team. The culture of the team. They're done. They're done. So, okay, let's talk about that. Because uh, there was a report that the traveling media of Toronto, including reporters from the Toronto Star, The Sun, The Athletic, Sportsnet, TSN, and Sports Illustrated, asked to speak to General Manager Dubas about the state of the team. Their request was denied. And there's some speculation on this. Maybe this is basically non-news because he doesn't speak that often anyway, and he doesn't owe them anything. I think so. I don't know. I don't want to dig too much into that. But it does bring up a good point that Wyshynski tweeted out, your old buddy. He said, the Penguins, the Kings, the Avalanche, and the Wild are all 500 teams. No one is freaking out in their fan bases the way that that Toronto is. Is that a fair comparison to make? No. No. Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup. The Wild are eating $14 in salary cap. They're not expected to win. The Penguins are past their prime. Nobody's expecting them to do anything this year. And the Kings are still in rebuild mode. The Toronto Maple Leafs are expected to compete for a Stanley Cup. So, any no, there's no comparison to that. What's amazing is they're traveling media. That's impressive. That's quite the contingent. Five like heavy hitting news agencies just like they devote one person to follow around the Leafs all the time. That's pretty cool. When I played with San Jose, with Arizona, with even Minnesota and Chicago, we didn't have that much. That's man, playing in Canada. Talk about pressure. You can't even let loose on the plane because those guys are on the plane with you. So if you want to let loose and have a couple of beers and you know have some, that's a five hour flight back from California. You, you you want to be able to have a bottle or two of wine. Can't even do it. You got stinking uh, 
Elliot Friedman over there just sticking his head down the aisle looking back at you. What are you guys doing back there? Getting uh, <laughs> having some fun, taking some pictures on his cell phone. Yeah. No, but I, I don't think there's any comparison. I think those other teams, they either A, don't have the expectations, or they've earned a little bit of leeway with the Avalanche. They won the cup. They're allowed to have a slow start. The other teams, not near the same expectations as the Leafs. And it's not just Marner, Tim, who's not producing. Who else? Mr. Rocket Richard himself. How's he doing this season? Well, goal-wise, Austin Matthews got three in 10 games, which is, I don't know, what's the math on that? He's on pace for like 25, maybe? Maybe less? Not good. Um, 24, yeah, 24 point something goals. Yeah, and so, okay, he's still producing, you know, the stats across the board are okay. And even um, Steve Dangle last week did say that, you can watch the effort. You can watch what he's how he's impacting the game. Even when he's not on the scoreboard, he's a an asset out there, which is more than we can say about some of the other players. But you know, the Leafs aren't going to get far if Austin Matthews isn't scoring. That's the, that's the that's a matter of, matter of fact. And so he'll probably go off. He'll probably score four goals on Wednesday night. They have a little bit of a break here to play Philly um, on Wednesday, but they've got a tough schedule coming up here as well because you look at their their schedule. They just they should have won. All four of those games, right? We talked about that. They didn't. They lost all four. And now you look at their schedule coming up here in November. They got Philly on Wednesday. They have another two-day break. Bruins on Saturday. Hurricanes on Sunday. And then Vegas on the following Tuesday. And then Pittsburgh the following Friday. Those are the five really strong dominant playoff teams. Maybe Pittsburgh or Flyers are playing a little bit out of their their pants. But they it doesn't get any easier. You could easily see them going two and four one and five during that stretch. So it could get ugly here. And this is the, the people will draw comparisons to last year. They they had a slow start last year. I think they had the same record, four, four, and two. Pretty four, close. Four and yeah. one. They were playing very good teams last year. They are playing this year non-playoff teams. They're playing Montreal, Washington, who was not a playoff team, Ottawa, Arizona, Dallas was a good one, Winnipeg, not a playoff team, Vegas last year was not a playoff team, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim. Those are all bad teams. If you were the Leafs before the start of the season and you looked at your first 10 games, you're upset if you're 7-3 and three after the first 10. Just based on rosters alone, talent level, you should be 7-3. and three. And they're 4-4-2. Four, four and two. It's not good. What are they, 15th in the Eastern Conference? They're. I don't want to spend much more time on this, but they're not a good team. They, this, they're done. I, I, I truly believe that. Unless they can't make that big. And people are saying the goalie's the issue. Samsonov has played okay. He has not been the issue. It's It's the players. It's the guys that you brought in to win, and they're not winning. Willie Nylander, the big three. It's it's the big three. It's the elephant in the room, but no one – they can't change it. This is their team. And the funny thing will be in two years when they have to re-sign these guys, Matthews is going to be up and then Marner's going to be up. Willie Nylander's going to be up. They have to re-sign them. You have to. You can't let these guys walk. Who else are you going to get – that's going to be as talented as these three. This is your team, Toronto, for the next 10 years, and they're going to pay through the nose for Marner and Matthews. They will, or they're going to try to, unless they want to leave. But like I said before, you're not bringing in super talented people at max contracts, and you're going to be successful. Usually when you sign a guy through free agency or from a trade who's a star, 
it doesn't end up well. You need to draft your stars and you need to keep them. That's how you're successful. Tampa Bay, Colorado, St. Louis, those they drafted their guys and they kept them. Toronto does not get better by letting Matthews and Marner walk and trying to fill their spot with other superstars. You will not find other superstars who are as good as them. So this is it. This is your team. Shanny, this is your team. You're not going to win with him. Keith, Keith, how long does he last? Does he make it to the end of the calendar year? Uh oh no. 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 Cuz I was thinking I I was thinking like this week, you know what I mean? Like the, pretty I, I don't know, his leash has got to be short. We're going to talk about which coaches could get fired and he's definitely among the top of the list. Yeah, <laughs> like you said, their schedule coming up is not easy. If they lose the next three, Philly Bruins Carolina which they easily could that's next week I'd say this time next week Monday he could be gone if they lose the next three and then you turn around you got Vegas and Pittsburgh they could easily lose the next five I could see that based on how they've been playing you think it's going to be easier to play Pittsburgh Vegas Carolina Boston and Philadelphia all all five of those teams are very good hockey teams what could be the worst team and system to play against for the way that they're struggling right now? It's got to be Torts' Flyers, right? Like oh, yeah. the way that he's going to play them. Oh, he's going to be so. That's going to be like must-watch TV. He's going to. That's game one of the great the things about. That. That's one of the great things about John Tortorella. He will not let you like take a take a game off. He's like, oh, the Leafs. He won't. He'll make his players play harder. You know, everyone's like, oh, they're wounded. You know, you got to be afraid of the wounded animal. They're backed into a corner. Torch is like, no, this is fantastic. This guy's wounded and in a corner. This is an easy kill. We're going to go in and stab him right in the, the neck, and he's dead. And that's what he's going to do. He's like, we're the Philadelphia Flyers. We know we work hard. Boys, we're going to work harder. I want you to – he will tell his team this. I want everyone to go drive these guys through the boards for the first four shifts. Everybody needs to have a hit on the score sheet, the stat sheet, or you're going to be benched. That's his style. He's like, I don't want to score in the first five minutes. I want 50 hits on the board. So go and just bury them and make them not want to play us. And a team coming off a California road trip who's just lost four, like five of their last seven, reeling, reeling hockey team. Do you think they want to be put through the boards the first time they puck, touch the puck for the first five minutes? They're going to, they're going to fold like a cheap tent. And that's what Torts will do. He's such a good coach for that. He's so incredibly good. If they're winning, he is a very fun coach to play under because he plays everybody. He gets you going. They're 5-2-1 and one right now. They're a fun team to watch. But anything else we want to touch on in Toronto? No, no. Let's talk about some good news. What else, Tim? You must be just tickled pink the way the Devils are playing this year. You love yourself some Jack Hughes. They're in first place now, Tim. What's going on in New Jersey? I do love Jack Hughes, but he's not the story. It's Jesper Bratt. We mentioned him last week. He's now fifth in the league in scoring. He's got 15 points in nine games. The Devils have won three games in a row. We got a little, uh, I wouldn't know, heat or, or whatever. We got some comments that we don't talk about the, the thriving New York team. We talk about how the Rangers have been underperformed a little bit. The Devils, technically not a New York team, but really good. They're playing very well. They're first in their division in the Metro, which is Arguably the hardest division to play against, especially just, you know, this time of year. And then getting very good goaltending, particularly from Vitek Vanacek, who was one of those guys that 
showed flashes of, of excellence with Washington, never really put it all together. I don't think he ever got a shot at getting a, a starting role. And now he's doing pretty well. Again, you know, it's early in the season, but you got to like what you're seeing out of New Jersey and Jesper Bratt in particular. Is he the guy for that team? It's not Hairshire. It's not Hughes. Is he the offensive juggernaut? He's he's creating offense, or is he just a finisher on this team? I think he's well. He's a playmaker because he's only got four goals and and he's got eleven assists. And I think honestly, though, I think it's Heisher. He that's how you say it, by the way. Heisher. Um, he's the guy. And when you look at like the the analytics and just the, the playmaking and the situational stuff, the reason he's wearing the C, he's been doing it since a very young age. I think he's he's the straw that stirs the drink, as you like to say. But Jesper Brad is putting up a lot of points. And Jack Hughes, not too quietly, eight points in nine games. This team looks really really good. Yeah, this is a it's a strong division. If they're playing well, man, what happens with this division? If they're playing well, if the Flyers are playing well, what happens? Who's the odd man out? Because all of a sudden you look at the standings, it's Jersey, it's Philadelphia. Then you look at the bottom, the Penguins are at the bottom of the division. Are they are they the odd one out? The Islanders are playing good hockey right now. Carolina, who everybody had tabbed for a president's trophy potentially, they're in fourth and they're 5-2 and 1. Who's Obviously, Columbus is the weak link here. Are, is this finally the time? Can we stick a fork in Pittsburgh and Washington where they just the A just caught up with them? Uh, I am not ready to stick a fork in Pittsburgh. I, I could say possibly Washington. Ovechkin's not really scoring. I think he's got four, which is fine. You know, he'll score 30 goals, but he's not being himself. Oshie's going to miss a lot of time. That just came across this morning. And But Pittsburgh, I think they've lost four in a row after starting four and one. Uh, they had a really great start. And not only that, but they lost to some bad team. Well, it's a bad team. They lost to the Oilers. They lost to the Flame, both of those back to back. Then they lost to the Canucks, gave them their first win. Then they lost to the Kraken. So similar to Toronto, they're coming off a, a road trip and they're not producing, they're not getting critical points for them. For some reason, I'm not that concerned. I, I think it has to do with the leadership group and the experience. These guys, this core has won multiple cups. They know what it takes. And, and it's, I, I don't, it's, there's a difference between that and what's happening in Toronto. The players are producing as well. It's a tough road trip. They'll bounce back. I think the goaltending is a bigger factor than it is, than for Toronto. Um, Jari has just been so inconsistent. He was so bad a couple of years ago. He had a really strong bounce back season last year. Not great this year, but I, I'm not worried about the Pittsburgh Penguins winning some games, but it does bring up the conversation. Like in this division, who do they push out? Because you think Carolina is going to be there. You think the Rangers are going to be there. And there's really like one of those spots available. And then the wild card could just as easily be so competitive with the Atlantic too, with Tampa and Toronto, those teams missing a playoff spot. I'm not worried about Pittsburgh winning, but yeah, this is these are some critical points they're losing. And so I, this could hurt them at the end of the season. Yeah, there will be some good teams in the East who don't make the playoffs. I think right now you, you, the Philly kind of little experiment here, I don't, I don't think that lasts, but I don't mind Jersey. I really don't. They're a good team. They really are. So, yes, for all the New Jersey fans, I like them. I, I don't see them lasting as well. I think I'm going to go back to my tried and true Carolina Rangers. I think Pittsburgh will slide in there. And then Car- Washington's done, though. I'm sorry. They have too many injuries. Just look at their lineup right now. Who's out? Backstrom, Hagland, Wilson, Brown, Oshie, Carlson's day-to-day. It's hard to overcome that. It's a lot of bodies not being in the lineup, and you're forced to play these young guys we're playing well, but gosh, it must be frustrating to be this, this coach or this GM because every year it seems like just the, the injuries pile up, and that's what you get. You get an older team. Ovi's looking his age. Can you concede now that he will not pass Wayne Gretzky? 
Can we just put that to bed? He's got four goals in nine games, which is great for him. I think he had a two-goal game to start the season, one of the first few games. So he's really only scored two goals in eight games. He's minus seven. Can we just put that to, to bed yet? Or are you still on that train? Ovi's going to patch Gretzky. Uh, John, he's going to he's gonna do it. He's no. going to do it. He's no. <laughs> He's got 110 more goals he needs to score. Yeah. Okay. And... I think he does it. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hit thirty this year. He'll keep doing it. No, he won't hit thirty this year. No, he's played yeah, in nine yeah. games. Just say so you give him one goal. It's five goals in ten games. Not getting thirty. No way. Not a five chance. goals five. in ten games. That's a forty goal pace. It is. He won't get it. I don't think he's gonna get it. So I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. <sighs> Moving on. What else are we talking about? Tim. New Jersey's doing well. Islanders. Do you want to touch on the Islanders? I do. Yeah, the other the other other New York team, they've got three in a row. Um, and the stats, you know, looking at the stats and it looks exactly how you'd imagine it. Barzal's leading the team in points, although interestingly enough, he's got zero points and 10 assists, zero goals, 10 assists, um, which doesn't happen too often. You got Anders Lee and Brock Nelson right there, too. I think what's most impressive about this three win stretch is the teams they beat. They beat the Rangers, Carolina and then Colorado to top it off. So. They've looking really good. And I, I like this. You know, I don't think they'll be there at the end necessarily. I don't see them making the playoffs, but I like that they're winning some games and I like that they're making it that much more difficulty, difficult to to win in the Metro uh, and to place in the standings because they're going to make things very interesting down the stretch. It's such a strange team to wrap your head around because they they rack up three wins versus arguably one, three of the top teams in the NHL. But the three games prior to that, they lose – to the Devils, the Lightning, and the Panthers. Three very good teams in the NHL. So it, it just, man, that East is tough. The luxury of playing in the West and having games, I shouldn't say off, but games where you're not being tested every single game. And that's why these, I don't want to go harken back to Toronto, but that's why those four games were so crucial. They they were not good teams you were playing. And you need to get points from them because then you come back to the East and every single night you're playing good teams. Just looking at the Islanders' first 10 games, it's it's quality teams up and down the lineup they played. Devils, Lightning, Panthers, Rangers, Hurricanes, Avalanche. Then they it, it doesn't end there. They go to St. Louis, they get Detroit, they get Calgary, they get the Rangers again. They finally get the Arizona Coyotes, but it's it's just amazing how just the Leafs dropped the ball on that. But yeah, maybe the Islanders are for real. Maybe they have finally figured out how to start a season. Can they sustain this? This is It's a good sign that they're winning game and Barzal is not scoring because he is their goal scorer. He is their guy. But if they can continue to get Lee going, they continue to get Anders going. What's the other guy? All, their top guys are all 45 plus. If they continue to get production out of them, they'll be players. They have good goaltenders. There's a reason they don't want to trade their goaltenders this offseason when everybody was clamoring. Can we get Varlamov? Can we get Varlamov? Can we get Varlamov? No. They kept his cap. They wanted to keep him there. They got Sororkin, who's a stud. There's no way they should have these two good good, good goalies on their team, but obviously they had a plan. They're sticking to it. Lou Lamorello, everybody thought he was a maniac by not making one move this offseason. Not one trade, not one signing, not anything. Everybody was just perplexed. What is Lou doing? Does he have a contract for Kadri in his back pocket that we don't know about? He's waiting to just explode with it like he did the one-off season where he just, oh, I got five contracts. Look at all the stuff I've done. He didn't do anything. All of a sudden, Islanders look pretty good. Anders Lee's playing well. It was Brock Nelson who I was thinking of. But 
Can they can they sustain it, Tim? There's an old no. team. There's no. an old team. I, I think they might be the only team in the NHL whose average age is over 30. Washington so think- is the oldest one. Well, Washington, gosh, they just are good at everything, aren't they? So you don't <laughs> think this is sustainable? Why is that? Just because of the last couple of years, they've just stalled out and been a bad team. Yeah, yeah. I just um, I do like their goaltending, but I I don't see that they have the the roster strength to compete. I don't say compete, but like to finish in a playoff spot over the course of a long season, unless Washington and Pittsburgh continue to drop off, unless Toronto doesn't turn it around. Like these these are some big ifs. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll. They'll make it interesting, kind of like who was it last year that Columbus almost took that that last playoff spot because they won a few in a row and there was a long stretch. Um, but no, no, they they're not going to be there. All right, enough of NHL news. My alma mater. Gosh, I've been talking about him quite a bit, but how can you not? Blake Pietala, goaltender Tim, back to back shutouts this weekend. Player, player of the week, goaltender of the week for the CCHA. Not bad. Not bad. Something to cheer for for the Michigan Tech Huskies. You know what else I cheer for when I go to Michigan Tech? It's snowy. I don't like driving around too much. I love the Ambassador Pizza. I I just fire up DoorDash when I go to Michigan Tech. It's so simple. I can use it. You can use it. Tim uses it. I wanted Tim to do this ad read, but he got all nervous. So now we're just talking about Michigan Tech. We're talking about Houghton. We're talking about DoorDash. Tim's all nervous now. He's uncomfortable. He's a little embarrassed. Right, Tim? I'm not. I don't get embarrassed. He doesn't get embarrassed. He makes people embarrassed. But I'm not embarrassed to say that. I use DoorDash all the time. I use our promo code GlovesDDUS. If I'm in Canada, I use my promo code GlovesDD. It gets me 25% off free delivery. And it gets me my food whenever I want it, wherever I want it. Whether I'm up up in Dodgeville in Houghton, Michigan, where I used to live, or just at a hotel, you know, down on the water, the Holiday Inn. DoorDash delivers to wherever I am. They get me my food. They get me how I want it, when I want it, and it's fantastic. I should fire it up and give some to Blake Piedla. Good for you, Blake. Keep it up. Text four two and one overall, Tim. How's your club team looking this year? Uh, I don't even know. I don't keep up with it. How dare you not even know? You got to follow your alma mater, Michigan Tech. Coming, you know they they were not supposed to be good. Now all of a sudden, huh, looking pretty strong. I don't think they're ranked nationally anymore. But it would not surprise me if they slide back into the top 25 of the rankings coming up this week. All right, moving on. We talked about some NHL fun stuff, some naughty stuff, some not-so-good stuff. What are we doing now, Tim? Are we going to do which coach is going to be fired? Well, I asked this on social media over the weekend, and four names and only four names kept coming up over and over and over again. Perhaps the biggest one, but it might have just been a little bit of timing, but with definitely Sheldon Keefe. He came up a lot. And ironically, so did Dallas Eakins, the Ducks coach, um, who, I mean, that win aside, have just, they've just been a bad team. And they, they're they better than this. Like, they're not this bad. Bruce Boudreau came up a lot after they starting off 0-7 or whatever it was. And then Brad Larson of Columbus also came up. I think if there is a coach who gets fired, it'll be one of those four. Do you agree? And who, which one would you pick? I think it's Keith. I think he's the first one to go. He has to. Anaheim, you know, and not – High, sky-high expectations, but they've been playing terrible. Vancouver, I I don't think Boudreaux's the problem with that team. I I really don't. They've proven they can win with them at the end of the last year. So I I don't think he is the answer. And Columbus, was Columbus supposed to be good? I don't think so. Better than this. Yeah, they're not good. But again, going back to that division, you are in the best division in hockey. 
now that New Jersey's playing good hockey and Philadelphia's playing good hockey, there is not one easy game in that division. So if you're the Blue Jackets, you're the redheaded stepchild, baby. You are the team that teams are looking forward to. They go, okay, who are we playing this week? The Blue Jackets, fantastic, point night. And that's how they've given up 44 goals, Tim, in 10 games. How about Johnny Gaudreau having a career season and then he gets into his American city, small market, bad team, huge payday, no pressure. He's got a nice little situation for himself if you're Johnny Gaudreau. Is it a nice situation? At what price do you, do you have to just not care about winning? Well, this is where personality comes in, too, because obviously winning a cup wasn't the number one most important thing to him. And I don't say that to slight him, but, I mean, you can't think that winning a cup was his priority and then sign Columbus. It just doesn't add up. And so That's where I think, you're wrong. You should use that to slight him. It says a lot about your personality when you just don't care about winning whatsoever. He's not 22. He's not looking to go to a rebuilding team, and I'm going to be part of the process. You know what? I'm going to make this team into a Stanley Cup contender. No, you're going there because you couldn't handle the heat in Calgary. You didn't like it, much like a Mitch Marner situation where maybe he just didn't feel right. His feelings got hurt. We have to tickle him before he goes to bed so he feels nice at night. Everything has to be good for Mitch Marner and Johnny Gaudreau. And I like Johnny Hockey. He, I lost a lot of respect for him when he didn't want to resign in Calgary and goes to Columbus. Like you said, no pressure. Can go to the rink. No one knows him in Columbus. Total anonymity. Good for you. That's where, that's where you'll end. You and Patrick Liney, you'll ride off into the sunset and no one will hear anything from you because Columbus will not be good during their tenure. Not a chance in the world. With, without a doubt. And how about the Philadelphia Flyers having the foresight? Chuck Fletcher, everybody bagged on him for not going after Goodrow. We did on this podcast. Looking pretty good. That is a great point. Pretty smart, Chuck Fletcher. We spent all summer talking about him, and I haven't thought about him or seen his name since the season started. That's a great point. The Flyers. Smartest thing he ever did was bring in Torrance, baby. (laughs) Honestly, looking pretty good right now. Finally, Fletcher's able to just have a restful night's sleep without the mob calling for his head in Philadelphia, throwing snowballs through his window. You suck, Chuck. And finally, he's just like, okay, I I can have a month off where I don't have to worry about my job and my future and my family and my life living in that Philadelphia, the highest crime rate almost in this, in the world, Philadelphia can't park your car on the street, gets stolen within five minutes. I heard, but yeah, good stuff. So I think Keith's going, who do you think out of those four Keith Eakins, Boudreaux or Larson, which one's the first to go? I mean, uh, I would say not Boudreaux. They've, they've done something. They bought themselves a little bit of breathing room. Cause they Larson, won the game. <laughs> no, they won more than one. Didn't they? They won two. They won think- two. Sorry. They won two. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I would say Keith. Yeah, I, there's no, there's no greater discrepancy between expectations and performance to start the year than the Montreal, than Toronto Maple Leafs. That's What's his leash? How many games? Because I, I just mentioned it. They have three very competitive games this week. Does he need to go two for three, or he's done? No. Well, I, I don't think they don't. I don't think they they'll win at least one game in this stretch. But they have five difficult games going through the end of next week. So Pittsburgh is next Friday night in like 10 days, and they have four difficult games before that. I would say they need to win three in order for him to keep his job at the end of it. Hmm. Yeah. Guaranteed. But you can make it – if you win two and three, I don't know. I don't know. Even three and two is not very good. Not not good enough. This time next week, 
he will not be the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's my prediction. Monday. I think he gets fired Monday morning, and we do the show that afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's done. I'm a betting man. Well, That's me. Yeah, the whole thing about losing the room, based on what we saw from Marner, is a great point that I hadn't really thought of. It's a, such a crummy. It really does. It, it you don't want to go to the rink as a player. You don't want to show up at the rink when your coach is having issues with the players and you're caught. There. You, you want to support Marner, but you also want to just smack him in the face and say, "Fall in line, be one of us, be a good soldier." You are not the captain of this team. That's our coach. You know, I know Tavares is the captain, but anyways. Speaking of betting, I did not have a good weekend. I had a tough weekend. I lost my big boxing match. I didn't realize that boxing was rigged. You told me this this morning. I was unaware that that the fix was in with that Logan Paul fight. It's it was Jake Paul, wasn't it? But I don't. Yeah, but you know, not all boxing is rigged. But yeah, the stuff that he's doing, it's like separate from whatever the main boxing league is. He's handpicking his fights. It's a lot of money, and if you believe what's being said, yeah, they're being paid to lose. And so, tried to warn you. I lost it. I lost it. I'm still in the black overall, which is exciting. I don't think we can all say that. But the good thing about gambling, Tim, there's always another day. And to that day is today. So what are we doing for the old Bet USA tonight, Tim? Yeah, I got three. There's three games tonight. I'm going to do a little bit of a parlay. Oh, I love parlays. So the Sabres are hosting the Red Wings. I'm going to take the Sabres. The Hurricanes are hosting the Capitals. I'm going to pick the Hurricanes. And you got the Kings at the Blues. I am picking the Kings in that one. Um, So that's my three-team parlay. And I also like the under in the Kings Blues game. These are so these are these are hard matchups. They really are. Because the Capitals, for as much as we dog on them, they can beat anybody in the league. They can just, you know, Ovi can throw four on the board. Kemper can show up and play a fantastic game. And they can just beat anybody in the league. So I, I'm not confident in them. The Sabres and the Red Wings are the same team. Up and coming. They have some veteran scores. They have good goaltenders. Craig Anderson. I love that guy. I I, I stink and love that guy. And then the Kings and the Blues. Underperforming. Both in skids. Kid, Kings coming off a nice win versus Toronto, but is a nice win when Toronto just losing to everybody these days? I don't know. I'm not going wins or losses for anybody. I'm going to do some just prop bets. Away goals and home goals. Which team is going to score more? Are the three teams at home scoring more? Or are the three teams away scoring more? This is what BetUS is great because I'm not confident in any of these games. So I'm just going to do some prop bets. I'm going to do the away team scores more. So that's going to be the... Who are the away I don't even know who the away teams are, Tim. Who are they? It's the Red Wings, it's the Kings, and it's the Capitals. Oh, the away team's going to score way more goals. I'm taking the away team for goals. And then over or under... The total is 18 and a half for all three games. So if I do my math, that's six goals a game. I don't see it. I don't see each game getting more than six goals per game. So I'm going under for total goals. That's what I'm doing. Two prop bets. I'm going to stay classy. I'm not going too heavy just because I'm not confident in these games. You don't have to blow out the water every single time. Sometimes you just got to take it easy. Save your little pot of gold for the next time when it's a little better situation for you. So that's what I'm doing for this, Tim. What else are we talking about? What are the quick hits for today? Did you see Andreas the Fantasia's goal? I think um, everybody did. It was incredible. Oh my god. Oh. 
Oh, and he, yeah, I guess he did that exact same goal. Bucci tweeted out a link like 2016, maybe. Um, man, that was pretty. That could be the goal of the year candidate for sure. It was a nice goal. They have nice, nice goal. I, I, what I liked more about that game was Patrick Kane coming to the fence or, uh, Max Domi coming to the defense of Patrick Kane. I like to, I like to see that, even though Kaner tried to get him a stop. It's, it's a good sign. The Blackhawks are playing good hockey. They're playing inspired. They're playing fast. They're using their speed. Not bad. I like the pickups they made. Athanasio, Domi. They're fitting in well. Domi's having a good season. Staylock, too. I actually watched this game and Staylock played really, really well. They lost in a shootout and his team didn't score at all. So I don't really, I mean, Kaprizov had a nasty goal, but there was some big, big plays in that game. Staylock looked really good. He's also skating out. He made a big breakout pass. Like he looks really confident, which is fun to see. Yeah, Luke Richardson's has he has them playing well. He's got them playing inspired hockey, like I said. Just he's he's a very similar coach to a John Tortorella. You work hard, I'll play you. If you don't work hard, you're gonna sit on the bench. And players, they respond to that. So I, I like the way Chicago's playing. They're playing good. Dubnik retired. Devin Dubnik played with him in the All Star game in 2016. I don't know anything else. Hall of Famer, not a chance, but. Not a Hall of Famer, but man, he was good when he was on. He had a couple of years stretch where he was a top five goaltender in the league, um, from Minnesota. And yeah, good career, 12 seasons. I'm surprised it wasn't more than that, but he's hanging them up. So, uh, just dropping that note. And then final one, Seth Jones is out three to four weeks. He's got a thumb injury that happened in the game. And so he's going to be out for a while. Is this how much, how big of an impact did that for the Hawks? Well, huge. He's. He's their guy. First power play unit, first penalty kill unit. He does everything for that back end. So you're you're going to have to slot Jake McCabe up. You got Jake McCabe and Jack Johnson as your one-two. They have four stay-at-home defensemen in their top four right now. Johnson, McCabe, Tenorti, Murphy. It's the fact that they keep winning is a male is amazing. They. Yeah, they have no business competing in most games they play. But yeah, good for the Hawks. So if this could be the start of the decline. Every this this is purely anecdotal, but every time I watch them or see a highlight or whatever or a clip, they get scored on. It's McCabe and Murphy that are out on the ice. Uh, it's happened like many times this season for me so far. Yeah, they yeah. They they're not a good team. They're not. So the fact that they're winning is is a good thing. Al Stalock, like I said, the excitement for this team will come at the trade deadline. That will be the excitement for Chicago of the year. Who can we get? What assets can we get for Patrick Kane? That's it. That's this whole season. What's all? What's what it is all about? Hey, before we wrap up, if you're the Hawks, if you're Richardson, do you go five forwards on the power play? PP one. Yeah, you have to. What are you going to put Caleb Jones on there as your as just for a defenseman? They don't even have five good forwards. <laughs> They're going to Sam Lafferty and Taylor Radish. I don't oh, know. Oh, this just in. This just in. The Tempe City Council will not approve a new arena in Tempe. Shocker. Shocker. What did I say last week? They, they This rink will never happen. And the City Council just said, no, they will not approve a new arena. So everybody who's just beating that drum, oh, we're going to put it right down in Tempe. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have $800 million. It's going to be a state-of-the-art. It's going to have restaurants and a and a multimedia use center. It's going to have a, a mingling place for people. It's going to be great. It will never happen. And they just declined at the Tempe City Council. So ugh, get the team out of Arizona. Stupid Batman, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly. All right. Anything else, Tim? No, no. We cover a lot. All right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for catching up. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Hope you're having a good Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.